but I've got a, a pretty simple message here today, and if you'll indulge me, we're going to do something a little different, but um, really simple message, but I think one that everybody needs to hear, and uh, we've never done this in front of people before, so we'll see what happens, and uh, it might be a train wreck, but you never know, it might be something pretty neat, so we're going to give it a try, and I have a, a very special guest that's going to help me with my message today, so if you'll welcome her. Isn't she beautiful? The horse ain't bad either, is it? Oh, right about there, be just fine. So what I want to do with you today is I want to walk with you through the Christian experience. I want to walk with you what it means to be a Christian from start to finish. And, and it's a very simple message, but there's a lot of power and simplicity as we learn from the music uh, I think we enjoyed that music. In my opinion, we enjoyed it more than anything else we've ever heard. That's just me. But, yeah, I'm not biased at all, but I am. But it's real, okay? It's real. I told Cheyenne this morning when they were practicing, I, I love to think about things that are real, and I use the 100-100 rule. And I totally made this up, so it probably makes no sense to anybody. Would it be real if it was 100 miles from town? And would it be real if it was 100 years ago? So this music we heard, if we were 100 miles from the nearest electricity and it was 100 years ago, that music would have sounded exactly the same as what we heard today. That's real. When we have things that are simple, we can rely on them being real, and I love that. Not, not to knock anything else that we do, but that's where my heart is is in the purity and the reality of things. So my message is simple, but I hope it, I hope it affects you. So we're going, to walk through, we're going to walk through this Christian experience that we live. <clears throat> so there's five points to my message today. And I, and I brought Drifter up here. That's Her name is Drifter. She's an old horse. She's 20 years old or better. Uh, good long life and, and a good horse. We used her all day yesterday at a horse show. But we've got the horse, we've got the hoof, we've got the anvil, and we've got the shoe. And there's one more that I'm going to save till the end. So we're going to start off and we're going to talk about the horse. So what she represents that we can see in front of us is us, the people. This is us before we were saved. This is us, this is mankind before Christ, okay? And in Ephesians 2, we read what it was like for us before Christ. And if you're out here today and you don't know Christ, this is what you're going through. This is what your life is like. And, and tell me if it don't fit. Verse 1, And you were dead in, trans, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, <clears throat> among who we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Think back, doesn't it fit? Doesn't this fit your life before you were, became a Christian? Doesn't this fit your life before you give your heart to Christ? We were dead in our sins. 
We were dead in our sins and our trespasses, and we walked in the course of this world and the spirit of the age. Right? It's what we're doing right now. The spirit of the age is what we're living in. The influences, the television, the, the social media, the TikTok videos, all of these things influence us. Facebook. All of these things influence us, and we're walking in them. If you're not a Christian, before you were a Christian, these things didn't matter. They didn't bother you. Verse 4, but God. Everybody say, but God. This is important. But God. Anytime we go through anything where we can't explain it, man can't do this, or it's too hard for us, or it seems so undaunting that there's no way above it. Remember that. But God. But God, being rich in mercy. Thank God He is. Because of the great love which He had for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that anyone may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that great news? Isn't that good news? Before, we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. But now, but God, but God through His grace has fixed that for us. If we've accepted Him, if we've repented and we believed in Him, and we are forgiven of our sins, right? But now we've got some work to do. Now we've got some work to do. So what's next? We've got some stuff to deal with. So what's next is the next part of our, our illustration here, and that's the hoof. So if you can bring that camera over, we'll have a look. Come on. If you can see that, look at that. See the mud? See the mire? This is sin. This is what sin does to our life. It's ugly. It's rough. Rough around the edges. Cracks and breaks. Okay, th these are habits. These are hurts. These are, these are the sins. These, this is the, the pride. Okay, this is the, the anger. This is the jealousy. This is the greed. But God's going to do something here, remember? But God. But God's going to do something. God's going to go to work in our life. God's going to start cleaning this up. God's going to start pulling this out. All that stuff, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is not just stuff. It's other stuff. <laughs> God's going to start to clean us up, okay? And her hooves are hard as a rock. She hasn't been shod in a while. And so it's gotten calloused. Don't we know about that? Don't we know about being calloused? God's going to give us victory in this. He's going to start doing a great work in us, and He's going to start pulling off some pretty big chunks. All right? 
He's going to start pulling off some pretty big chunks. He's going to start giving us some big victories when we become saved. He's going to get rid of the addiction. He's going to get rid of some of these big things in our life that have been holding us back. He's going to get rid of some of the unforgiveness, the big things. Okay? And then, now we're going to get down to the finer work. Now we're going to start working on sanctification. We're going to start filing this off, okay? Christ is going to start shaping us through the Holy Spirit working in our lives. He's going to go to work on us. We're going to start making a difference in the way we look. We're a new creation. But it's hard. There's a lot of work goes into this because we've got a lot of sin. Does that fit everybody? What we get is a new creation. What we get is a new person. But these things run deep. You see that red? That's an old bruise. That's an old stone bruise. But that's just like our sin, that that runs deep. When that runs deep like that, it's hard to get out, isn't it? But we're going to get past it. And he's going to level us. He's going to shape us, and He's going to make us into a new creation. You want to come around? Now, we've done a lot of work on the inside, and when we do, He's going to help us, and we're going to start to look different on the outside, too. And that's just as hard. done we've done something worthwhile here Christ has changed us we are not the old man we are not the old creation okay good job drifter I'll let you go I'm out of breath. That's a lot of work. So what's next on our list? What's next on our things that we were doing on our walk? It's the anvil, right? What the anvil represents in this is the Word of God. To me, the anvil represents the Word of God. And it's this. That's not moving. That is not moving. It is solid. It is unchanging. It is forever. It is not going to change. It's not going anywhere. Isaiah chapter 40 says that the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the Word of God remains forever. 
That's what we build our lives on, okay? That's what we build our lives on. People have been trying to tear this Bible down for centuries. They've been trying to tear this down, and why? Because if they don't have to deal with this, then they don't have to deal with this. If the Bible's not real, then God's not real. If God's not real, then I don't have to deal with my sin. I don't have to deal with my bad behaviors. If there's no God, then there's no sin, and I can do whatever I want to. I can live however I want to, and I don't have to worry about judgment in the end. But this isn't how it works, guys. This Bible is solid. It's real. It's unchanging. It doesn't give. Quite a few years ago, I was on the fire department, and there was a wreck right over the hill here. And two young men in a car that weighed at least a ton were hitting, going 90 miles an hour when they hit an oak tree. And I won't give the details of what happened next, but I will tell you this, that that oak tree was not impressed. A car weighing a ton hit it at 90 miles an hour, and that tree was not impressed. Okay? I can hit this anvil, this hammer, all I want to. It's not impressed. You can come at this book all you want to. You can tell people it's not real. You can tell people it's a bunch of made-up stories. You can tell people that the dates and the timelines don't fit, and therefore it can't be real, but the Bible's not impressed. The Bible's not impressed. It's been here long before I come along. It'll be here a long time after I'm dead. It's not at the least little impressed whether I agree with it or not. It is the true and living Word of God. And it applies to us all individually. And there's nothing we can do to change it. This is what we build our lives on. So we're taking a walk. We've started off with, with nothing. We're sinners. We haven't been saved at all. We become saved. Now we've worked on our sin. This is what we build our lives on. This is the truth. This is our North Star. This is what we point towards, and this is what we build our lives on. So in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, we read, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation upon the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. If we try to live this life without this book, if we try to live our life without Scripture, great will be the fall of our lives. There's a lot of us in here that can testify to that, isn't there? I'm one of them. If we try to do things without Scripture, without the Word of God, great will be the crash of our lives. So what's next on our list? What's next on our list? The horse, the hoof, we've hit the anvil, the shoe, the shoe. The shoe is the blood of Christ. The shoe is the blood of Christ. Just like the blood of the Passover. 
This covers us. This covers our sin. That hoof's still vulnerable. We're dealing with the sin of it. Okay? And remember I said this sanctification progress, process, when we get down to filing, that's the sanctification. That's an ongoing, lifelong process. That never stops. We need something to cover that. We need protection. That's the shoe. That's the protection. But I want to I bring something up to you, that this is not a collective salvation. There is no such thing as collective salvation. The crowd can't get you here. We're not following the crowd here. I want to make note, the Bible talks about two roads. The wide road, many will follow it. And the narrow path, and few will find it. But, but we've got to remember that, that above both of those roads is a sign that says heaven. The crowd's going on that wide road. They think they're going to heaven. But that's not how it works. The, the, the narrow gate is small and few will find it and the ones that find it will go through there one at a time there's a turnstile on that narrow gate it's a one time this is a this is a one-on-one relationship with christ matthew 7 verse 7 it says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks and will find, and the one who knocks it will be open. This is one. This is in your heart. This is a one-on-one personal relationship. And we love John 3.16, don't we? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. This is the whoever. You're the whosoever, but it's not the group of you. This is a one-on-one relationship. The crowd can't do it for you. The crowd can't do it. I want to show you something. These shoes. These shoes are all the same. They come that way. It's a size ought, already punched. They're all the same size. This is, this is salvation to us. We're all saved by the blood of Christ. It's the same salvation okay we're all the same way the the perfect sacrifice of jesus it's all the same but but this is personal it's a good catch wasn't it? this is personal okay god meets us right where we are but thank god he doesn't leave us that way right this is personal Now, I happen to know this horse. I've shot her quite a few times. So I know she needs a little rounded shoe, and she needs her heels pulled in. God knows us. All right? He knows our every thought. He knows what hurts us. He knows what heals us. So he shapes everything for us. It's us. It's personal. And it's just right. When he's done, it's just right. Unlike this shoe.
Not quite there. Almost. This process doesn't uh, doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it takes a little while. Okay. All right. So we've dealt with sin. We've accepted Christ. We've dealt with sin. We know that that we have the blood. But what good does that do us yet? Now we have to apply the blood. This is where the magic really happens, is when we apply the blood to our sin. Come on. Oh. 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 So in Colossians, the Apostle Paul says that Jesus nailed our sin to the cross. So we just nailed pride to the cross. Help if I could hit a nail. He just nailed greed to the cross. about your anger just nailed anger to the cross oh 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 about envy about lust about drunkenness when that blood is applied then that's when it makes the difference that's where the magic happens here. But you notice she pulled back. She didn't like that, did she? She didn't want to give me her hoof, and then she pulled back when we got started. Why did she do that? Why do we do that? <clears throat> See, she didn't understand that I love her. She doesn't understand that I'm doing this for her own good. We don't understand all the time whenever God's chastening us, do we? We don't understand when we're going through something hard that it's for our own good. We don't like it. 
Because God loves us, sometimes He chastens us. Sometimes He corrects us. We don't like that, do we? I'm seeing a lot of heads shaking. You all know what I'm going through. You all know what I'm talking about. We don't like that. You hear this all the time. How could God do such a thing? How could God do just such a thing? We don't like that. We don't think of God as being a loving God. How could a loving God let us go through something? How could a loving God let us go through a breakup? Lose our job? A marriage? How could God let us go through something like that? We don't understand. How could I lose my job at this time when I need it the most? How could we let God, how could God let us do this? And this attitude is why we struggle with things like predestination, election, hell. We struggle with that, don't we? How could a loving God let somebody go to hell? How could that happen? And this is why we pray, Lord, don't let me go through this thing, whatever it is. When you can see trouble coming on the horizon, Lord, don't let me go through this. But sometimes it's exactly the thing that God needs us to go through. Sometimes that's the exact thing that we need to go through. But let me ask you this. Why are we so set? Why do we think that love always has to look lovely? Does love always have to look lovely? We think it does, don't we? We think that all love has to be lovely. If it's not lovely, sunshine and roses and flowers and birds singing, then it's not really love. Is that true? Sometimes love can look very different. If my child is walking out in traffic, my voice is not going to sound very lovely. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rude. It's going to be hateful. It's going to be mean-sounding. Is it still love? You bet it is. If somebody is trying to hurt my child or someone that I love, then my love is going to look very, very much like violence. My love is going to look a lot like violence if someone's trying to hurt my loved one. Is it still love? Of course it is. We talked about John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We like that kind of love, don't we? We like that love. That love is fun. That love means I don't have to go to hell anymore. God loves me. Everything is good. That's that sunshine rainbows. But what about Hebrews 12? What about Hebrews 12, verse 6? Because the Lord disciplines the ones He loves and chastens everyone He accepts as sons. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you like His children. This is love too. Right? This is love too. If my neighbor's house is burning down, I'm going to kick in his door and I'm going to drag him out. That love took, looks totally different than when Gretchen skinned her knee when she was three years old. But would my neighbor not consider that to be the most loving thing I could do for him at the time? Why does love always have to look lovely? She doesn't understand that.
because she doesn't want it. She doesn't understand that, that I'm doing this because I love her. I'm doing this because I don't want her feet to hurt. We don't understand. We have such a hard time understanding that because I lost my job, God may have something better for me down the road. I can tell you experiences in my own life where I lost a job and I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened, but within a week I had a better job that I had for the next 15 years and I loved it. At the moment, I didn't see it. In the moment, I didn't see what God's providence was working out. <clears throat> I didn't understand God's sovereignty had a plan. There was something going on that was above my head, above my knowledge, and I couldn't understand. She doesn't understand why she's standing up here right now. But when she walks out on the gravel parking lot, she'll enjoy it. When I walk through this life, you know, we're talking about our walk. When I'm walking through this life and, and, and I've accepted Christ and, and he's, he's worked on that sin in my life and now He's applied the blood to my life and I have the confidence. I have the confidence to go through this life knowing that no matter what happens in this life, if I lose the job, if I lose the business, if my health goes bad, I've been through that before. Whatever happens, this is not my home. This is not my home. This is something that, that we need to grasp in, in this country, especially in our, our society today. This is not my home. These things that I enjoy and I love today, they're just here today and they'll be gone tomorrow. I love this horse, but I can't make this my life. If I die today, she'll belong to somebody else tomorrow. What good does it do for me to hold on to that? We are just pilgrims passing through this land. Our destination is heaven. We can't get tripped up and we can't get hung up on the things of today. We can't get hung up on, on these temporal things because we're bound for somewhere greater. We're bound for somewhere greater. And we can enjoy these things as we pass through. You know, these flowery meadows and these shady groves are wonderful, but we can't build a house here. We can't build a house here. This isn't our home. So we need to accept that. So, the last part of this, and probably the most important part of this, the last and the fifth and final piece of this puzzle, is the clinch. It's the clinch. We've been saved. We've applied the blood. Now we're going to set it. See what I mean? Come on. Come on. And that's it.
I need to wrap that. Save our concrete. Where did we go with it? There we go. Okay. Thank you, Drifter. Ooh. The clinch, the end. That's the important part. We're, 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 we're done. We're saved. God's got us. All right? In the sixth chapter of the book of John, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all of these that he has given me, but raise it up on that last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on that last day. Jesus has clinched us. He has clinched us, and He ain't letting go. That's, we need confidence in that. We need to claim that. We need to be bold as we go through. We need to know that God the Father gave us to Him, to Jesus, and He has got us, and it is His will that He lose none of them. That's us. If you've accepted Christ, and you have repented of your sins, and you have believed on Him, that's settled. That matter is settled. You have been clenched. We know this. We read this in the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans in the 8th chapter. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The altar is open. Cheyenne, if you would begin to play. Jesus said, it is finished. And then he gave up the ghost. That ghost, that finished, was his work on salvation. It is finished. Ladies and gentlemen, have you been clenched? Have you been clenched? If not, what are you waiting for? 
Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Repent and believe while there's still time. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this journey we could take today. Lord, we thank you that you walk with us through this experience that we go through, Lord. Lord, I pray for every soul in this building today, Lord, that if they don't know you, that they would come to know you, that you would draw them to you, Lord, and that they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I ask all of this in your holy name. Amen.